I'm your health coach, Melissa Lee. Here at Thriving with Nourishment Health, I provide women with the resources to reclaim fertility and celebrate periods through the lens of functional medicine. It is time to empower ourselves with natural solutions over band-aid medicines. We will get to the root cause of symptoms to see the bigger picture. Let us find the ability to heal ourselves, get back to Mother Nature, and live in a healthier world. Hi everyone, say hi to Madeline Golek. She has a master's in physiotherapy and is currently working on her somatic experiencing practitioner certificate. As a pelvic floor physiotherapist, she's passionate about helping uncertain moms to be prepared for birth so they feel capable and confident in their body's ability to birth and recover. I think that's so strong and so empowering. I'm so excited. So today we're going to be talking about why our pelvic floors are important, what it actually is, because I feel like maybe a lot of women don't know what it is, um, and how we can actually use physiotherapy to help ease pregnancy, um, woes, and also, you know, during postpartum recovery. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am super passionate about this topic. And so like, you know, it's like that perma smile that you kind yeah. of can't. Uh, can't get to come down. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, I mean, I think you're the first person on the show to talk about pelvic floors. And, you know, we're already like 115 episodes in. So it's pretty cool that to have you on. Um, and I want to know more about it too. So first, let's get started. Like, how did you become a pelvic floor physiotherapist? Yeah, great question. Well, I didn't know that this was the route that I was going to take. But in the midst of my two-year master's degree, we have to go to various clinics to gain some experience and learn working with new patients. And uh, one of my instructors was actually doing pelvic health. And this would have been back in 20, it's like 2010, 2011. And at that time, pelvic floor physiotherapy wasn't really mainstream or wasn't widely available because we actually needed permission from a physician in order to do an internal exam. And then it was in 2011 that the rules changed that we were um, allowed to perform, a, it's called a controlled act. So we're allowed to now do it without having to like reach out to a doctor and be like, hey, I'd like to do this assessment. Are you okay if I do that? Um, so I was exposed to this field of physiotherapy that I had no idea existed. And I had had a pelvic surgery and I had had some symptoms that I just was like, oh, okay. Like, I guess this is just something that happens when you have a pelvic surgery, like pain with intimacy. Like that's just, I was like, oh, okay. Like it kind of bothers me, but kind of doesn't depends on the position. And so in the process of like doing research for her as part of my project, I started learning more and I started learning techniques. And then I started them like applying them to myself. And I was like, oh, things got better. And so I knew right from there that like, as soon as I graduated, that my trajectory would be moving towards supporting individuals with pelvic floor dysfunction. And so then I just 2014, started taking the courses and then obviously have continued my education in that field ever since. That's awesome. I think 
I, I mean, I feel like a lot of us go into our fields from like a personal experience thing. And like, you know, for you to have that pelvic surgery um, definitely kind of puts you in that prime position to really understand more about it and also apply it to yourself. Exactly. Um, yeah. So like, so, you know, today we're going to be talking about using pelvic floor physiotherapy for pregnancy and, you know, as a focus. I know there are a lot of other things that we could apply it to. Um, so, if, you know, for pregnancy, what are the benefits of uh, physiotherapy? Yeah. So, I mean, let's just talk about first the five functions, because I think that will highlight like what makes the pelvic floor important. Like, why would we even care about these group of muscles? So first and foremost, they support us with movement. So they're part of our core. They help support our hips, our pelvis, our low back with movement. So those muscles being optimized, right, is optimal for movement. And there is some, there is research to show that there's a link between low back pain and pelvic floor dysfunction. So these muscles are not working on their own. They're working with other groups of muscles. So we want to make sure that they're just like not completely ignored. So that's one. Two, they support our organs. So it supports and holds the bladder, uterus, and rectum from like trying to fall into the vaginal canal. So of course we want those muscles and the fascia and everything to be nice and toned so that it supports those organs. Three, it's sphincterine, meaning helps us hold gas, stool and urine inside so we don't pass it when we don't want to. Four, sexual function, right? It's really important for orgasms and uh, experiencing pleasure with intimacy. So really important that those muscles are in their optimized uh, position. And then five, they work as a pump. So just like, for example, you know, when you're on an airplane and they say like, move your legs to keep the circulation in your legs moving. So you don't develop a blood clot in your leg. Well, the pelvic floor muscles help to do the same thing in and around the pelvis. It keeps lymphatic fluid moving, circulation moving, and certainly postpartum when there's a bit more swelling there, right? We could slowly be using those muscles and we do with movement anyways, but we can consciously use them also to help us with keeping blood flow moving along. So just from that perspective, getting to know where those pelvic floor muscles are, how do they move, what do they do, already allows us to understand that pregnancy and potentially birth may have some impact on those functions. So when you learn beforehand how to move those muscles through full range of motion, how to activate them, how to coordinate them, we're hoping to reduce the risks of developing an issue and, or if an issue arises, the individual kind of already has some knowledge about what they could be doing to aid their recovery process, what they could be doing while they're kind of moving through the healing journey before they come back and see us postpartum. So they will already know what they can do in pregnancy. They'll be able to do in postpartum to support them. So it's kind of like, we want to do prevention as much as possible, but in the event that something can, like in the event that something does happen, we know that there's like options because I get a lot of clients who will come in. It's like, nobody told me that I might have bladder leakage or nobody told me that I might have this issue and it can be really distressful. 
right? All of a sudden you, you know, these muscles just worked and now they're not working the way they need to be working. And then it's like, well, what do I do with this? Like, is this a problem? Is this going to be my life forever? Is there nothing I can do? And unfortunately, the messaging has been that like, oh, well, you've had children. So, you know, just wear a pad and everything will be fine, you know, but it's not fine. It's not fine for the person who's experiencing that, that didn't know, oh, this is a possibility. And then they don't know that there's an option for them to do something about it. So I really like the idea of like connecting to our body, you know, during the pregnancy journey to get to know what is, you know, what's going on down there, right? What's, what's a norm, like, what are, what does it feel like when I squeeze now? And then I have a comparison postpartum to be like, oh yeah, that feels a little different, or maybe it feels a little weaker or, oh, something's, you know, and then it gives you the option to ask questions, seek help. You'll already know that we exist. Uh, so that's why I like talking about pelvic floor physio in pregnancy. That's awesome. I mean, I for sure did not know all that five functions of the pelvic floor. Of course, all of them are very important, you know, including like holding all the other organs up and uh, making sure that everything's functioning well. Um, just a quick question. If someone's listening to this and they have like period cramps or, you know, contractions during pregnancy, um, does the pelvic floor have a huge role in that? Or is it more of like, you know, just like muscular? Um, so the experience of cramps in, let's say like PMS type of thing mm -hmm. can be a number of different factors of, of what is causing the brain to perceive the sensation of cramping. If there's pain or an unpleasant sensation that is being experienced in the body what is our normal reaction like if i jam my thumb in the door and it hurts right uh, right i'm automatically gonna tense to try to brace the pain mm -hmm. right that's just it's like a natural automatic almost reflexive response mm -hmm. to tense the problem is that the more we tense and brace against the pain, the more it can, can contribute to more pain because it begins to create dysfunctions that if left tense for long periods of time can cause like blood flow changes to the tissue, then that tissue is going to start to get angry in between those tissues, maybe nerve endings. If the nerves aren't getting a good oxygen blood supply, they're gonna get start to get angry. So then you can start getting referral pains, nerve-like symptoms. You know, you, if you've ever had your leg fall asleep, it's pretty uncomfortable when you it start is. to feel the sensation of blood loss, right? So we don't necessarily think about that, but that can happen to our pelvic floor. And if we're left, with a contracted pelvic floor for long periods of time, it can lead to urinary frequency, urinary urgency, bladder leakage, constipation, pain with intimacy or pain with penetration, uh, nerve-like symptoms, maybe pel you know, potentially some congestion in the area because those muscles are like not flexible anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's not per se that like the, um, 
muscle is causing cramps per se, because again, that could be a number of different reasons, but there, you know, there's going to be a, a feedback that goes back and forth. I have a cramp, my muscle tightens. Now my muscle starts to cramp because it's not getting enough oxygen and nutrients and blood flow, and they can start feeding into each other where it starts to turn into a vicious cycle. Um, does that kind of answer that? Yes. I think I can picture it like it's like a forward feeding cycle, basically. Yeah. And I mean, there's going to be other contributing factors like what's the, you know, inflammation, mm-hmm. you know, if it's in the body. Is there right. a lot of systemic inflammation? Is there gut issues that call, you know, again, causes inflammation? Because again, all of those organs are around each other. You can get organ crosstalk. So there's, it, it, you know, there's a lot that could be happening there. Right. Um, and then like in terms of contractions in pregnant, like in pregnancy, like when you're moving into the contractions, I mean, that is a whole different process. <laughs> it's not a pathological, like there's nothing, it's not a medical condition, obviously to have contractions, actually a really important physiological function to get us moving into labor and then ultimately uh, to birth so that you can have like false contractions called Braxton Hicks. Um, and then you can move into like real contractions. And of course, if you're having, contra- you know, contraction like feelings or cramps like early, you know, or something doesn't feel right at that point, you really do want to reach out to your medical provider to find out like why you're having cramps or why you're having uh, contractions that are early, perhaps in the second, you know, uh, first or second trimester, right? Um, you know, the, that's obviously something that you don't want to go into premature uh, premature labor, right? So those kinds of things, I would, I would say like, if you're cramping or having contractions or having some, you know, kind of sensation that you're not sure of, that's a, that's a direct line call to your medical provider. Not, I wouldn't say that, I would say that's not likely a pelvic floor physio call. Definitely not first until, (laughs) you know, until all the sort of medical things have been checked out. Right. Okay. Got it. So when we talk about, you know, benefits of using physiotherapy for a pregnancy, I heard that, you know, earlier you were saying like the pelvic floor, you know, would help us to um, have really good blood circulation and help our blood, our bladders to function pretty well. Um, Are there any other benefits that we missed out on in terms of like pregnancy? Yeah, well, I mean, so we do other things in pregnancy. So for example, it's really quite common to experience low back pain or pelvic girdle pain during pregnancy. So for example, like you may experience pain turning in bed or you may have a a sharp shooting pain the moment you like try to put your pants on. So anytime you try to lift one leg while one leg is like, on the ground and you get a shooting pain sort of in the groin region, that may be a sign of some pelvic girdle dysfunction. Going up and down the stairs, taking long walks, oftentimes what we see is an issue with weight transfer. So anytime I have to transfer weight from one side to the other and there's pain, it may be pelvic girdle pain, which 
who better than a physiotherapist to basically assess to see what is happening. We have a variety of tests that we do to confirm that that is the case. We take a comprehensive, sub, you know, subjective assessment to be like, okay, is this something potentially, uh, is it something else? Is it coming from the low back? Because sometimes it can come, pains can come from the low back. And there's some really great exercises that we can be getting you to do to help you minimize, if not resolve, those pain symptoms. Most, most of the time, you know, I'll have clients come in postpartum and they'll say, you know, I had terrible pains. Like it was hard for me to move around. And I was like, didn't anybody recommend physio? They're like, I didn't even know that was an option. I just thought, oh, I'm pregnant. And like, these are just pregnancy pains that, you know, everybody just deals with. Meanwhile, we could have been supporting you to, if, if not fully resolving, making things so much easier in terms of your activities of daily living, like getting you moving better, getting you, you know, finding different strategies. If you can't put your pants on standing up, okay, what are the strategies we can use in sitting down or what modifications can we make where you're not having to just deal with the pain? You're actively then supporting your body and that can decrease distress as well, right? Um, so those are other reasons that, you know, seeing a pelvic floor physiotherapist uh, during pregnancy can help because we can we can work on your low back, we can work on your pelvis, we can work on exercises that are going to help support your entire pregnancy, right? Because our hips are shifting, where our weight is changing. It's like a weight that we've likely not maybe experienced, and our muscles, although they were great at supporting us here you know, with the shifting and the changing of our bodies, our muscles might not also be keeping up. So it's like, okay, how active are you? Okay, you're not as active. Okay, what are some ways we can find um, for you to be more active? And we, we also have studies that show that, you know, individuals who are more physically active during pregnancy tend to experience easier labors. That makes sense to me. Right? Yes. Your muscles are resilient. They're they're used to being worked and they recover easier and they have more right. endurance and more ability to um, support you for this marathon because labor is a marathon. Like, and you don't get to be like, can I have uh, like a water break? When it's, <laughs> it's on. Yeah, like, it's on. <laughs> so we really need to think about like how ready is our body to take on this marathon? Uh, and that's going to also, you know, play a part in our recovery as well. So we do like core preparation, like how do we help you support your abdominal wall? How can we make sure those muscles are as, as strong as they can be safely? Because when it comes time for, you know, pushing, you want those muscles to be able to generate that power to help with the pushing phase. So it's not just, oh, the pelvic floor, but it's all the supporting muscles around the pelvic floor that we need. Like, you know, people will say, I'd like to squat a lot during my labor. Well, if you're not used to squatting, your quads are probably going to burn out after about a minute, right? right? So yeah. if you, you know, if that's, if there are certain laboring positions that you are like, oh man, I, I want to make sure that I can do this. Like we need to prepare those muscles for being able to withstand what potentially could be what 10 hours of labor. Those muscles really need to be ready for that. Awesome. That sounds like so much work and support that you provide these women and it really changes their life. Like 
you know, based on pain perception and how they can function day to day for like those months of their pregnancy. Um, you mentioned earlier that, you know, this will eventually help the woman to recover better as well, which I am guessing is like basically because they have a strengthened core or like, you know, their core is not weakened as much. Um, would that be, would that, would yeah. that be correct? So, yeah. Yeah. So I would say, I mean, you know, if you're going to go in, let's say if you're going in for a knee surgery. Oftentimes the surgeons will say, I want your muscles to be as strong as they possibly can be, because it's going to, when you come out of that surgery, you're going to be that much stronger, right? Because you're going to have some change in the muscular tone. But again, if that muscle's used to being exercised, it's going to be used more set up or more optimized for the recovery right? Because the muscles are used to, you have good, you know, blood flow to that region, because when you're using muscle, you also have to get more blood vessels in there because there's more muscle to feed, right? So anytime there's a good blood supply, good nutrition coming to the tissues, they recover, you know, better. The other part is that, you know, we talk about, and I didn't mention this, but we also prepare you down there. So it's, you know, learning how to stretch some of the tissues and, you know, that how to massage that area, which again, the studies, I mean, the studies vary in terms of their response. But the last time I looked in 2020, there was like um, a systematic review. So they took 11 studies on perineal massage or perineal stretching. So like 1700 did prenatal care and perineal massage techniques and like 1700 had just the standard, you know, prenatal care with no massage techniques. They found decreased uh, stage two labor. They found less episiotomy use, less um, severe tearing. So there was a protective response against third and fourth degree tears. And that those um, individuals recovered better and they tolerated pain better. Because for me, when I teach the perineal techniques, it's not just about the tissue stretch. It's the ability of you, your ability to be able to relax against unpleasant sensations. Because remember when I said in the beginning, when we experience pain, our natural instinct is to tense. Well, if that baby's head is coming through, but I'm tensing, that baby's head is still coming through. So it increase, it can potentially increase the risk of a more severe tear because I'm tensing, but the pressure's the, expul the, the, the expulsion reflex is still going to bring that head through. And so if I'm more tense, of course, you can have greater injury. But if you've learned to release the tension, not just in the pelvic floor, which is a technique that we do teach, but it's like relaxing the shoulders, relaxing the jaw, relaxing the you know, stomach, all of those things, because the jaw tension in here coincides with how much tension is in the pelvic floor. So if you're like this, yes, I'm relaxed, but in all likelihood, you're not very relaxed in your pelvic floor either. Right. Yeah. So it's not just stretching. It's the like mind work of learning, to, learning techniques to release and let go against unpleasant sensations. I love that. It's like, it reminds me of actually not even just pregnancy, but like day to day, like 
you know, if we're like really stressed from things, like it's like kind of like practicing mindfulness and being like, like, you know, relaxing against that. I, I love that. It's very relatable. Yeah. And so we do a lot of pain education. I do a lot of pain education. I do a lot of nervous system education. I really try to help my clients like not, it's not just preparing the physical body. It's also the nervous system that is a self-protective automatic automatic responses. And so I feel really strongly that when we understand, when we have knowledge, that already starts to reduce fear. And anything that we can do to begin to reduce fear reduces, you know, and knowledge also reduces distress, right? So if something happens and you know nothing about it, it's way scarier than if I have some knowledge around it, then I know, okay, I can ask this person. These are the questions I need to know. Who do I need to reach out to help, you know, to get help. But if I don't know something, it's super scary. So when it comes to like preparing for labor, it's like, how much information can we provide you that helps you feel more confident that you know some things, right? Um, And again, preparing the nervous system. So learning about pain. Why is pain there in the first place? Does it mean that something is being damaged? That doesn't necessarily mean pain in labor doesn't necessarily mean there's damage. And it actually serves an extremely important physiological response. And I literally just did a podcast last week on how pain has, or how labor pain gets a bad reputation, right? Because it's like, especially in labor, we're so, so scared of, of labor pain. Right. Also it's portrayed in like, you know, TV and media. Like sometimes I feel like it's also an exaggeration and I don't know because I am not given birth yet, but, um, yeah, I mean, I totally get it. Like, you know, we're always seeing that. And so like, it's almost like a foreboding in a sense. Yeah. And it's so interesting because, you know, I had that imagery of labor. And then I, you know, during my pregnancy, you know, there was a moment where you're like, where you realize it's like for reals. Yeah. Like it's for reals. Like I'm (laughs) real, there's a baby growing and it's got to come out. Right. You know, that's terrifying. (laughs) Even being a pelvic floor physio, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not exempt from fear. I was like, oh, damn, like this baby's got to come out. But I knew enough to be like, okay, get to my pelvic floor physio. Yes, Mm -hmm. I have my own pelvic floor physio. And then I went and took prenatal classes. I took hypnobirthing. And one of the most beautiful gifts I think I was given in those hypnobirthing classes was they would show us videos of women um, giving birth that did not match the media. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. And so when I went into labor and like, don't get me wrong, it's intense. And like, I gave birth with no epidural. So I had no like pain medication whatsoever. So I did it all natural, but I, you know, and I had this vision in my mind and I was just like, just remember those, like, just remember them. Like I had being able to witness that it is totally possible to be in your power and not be overwhelmed by the intensity of the labor contractions. So I would just hold this vision of those women in my mind. I'm like, just be like them, just practice your techniques. You can, you know, you can do this, just breathe. And, and so don't get me wrong. It's not that I didn't experience unpleasant sensations. It just, they didn't have the same power 
Like I wasn't afraid of the sensations. I understood what they meant. And I used the techniques to help me work through the sensations. I wasn't trying to get rid of the pain. Well, in a sense, I was. In the, You're trying in to the, go through it. The pain motivates you to move. So I'd be like in this labor position, right. then it would get too difficult to be in this position. So then I would switch and I'd be like, oh, okay, that feels a little bit better. And then that position would get too uncomfortable. Then I'd go to the next position. So I was seeking comfort, but I wasn't aiming to be pain-free. I just, I had the tools and the techniques and the vision in my mind because I had, I, you know, I really prepared. And, and there was a point when I went into labor, I was like, I don't, I told my midwife probably at least on three occasions, like, I don't know if I can do this. And she's like, you're doing great. By the third time, I'm like, seriously, I'm not sure that I can do this. She's like, oh, we're ready to go. Like never once did she offer me an epidural because I was like, I don't want one. So don't offer me one. Um, but she just gave me these words of encouragement and I'm like, okay, I'm not alone. Okay, I can, I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Just focus on just this one contraction, then worry about the next. And, and then all of a sudden it was over. And almost instantly, it's like your brain goes into amnesia where you can't quite remember the intensity. Like it gets like, it gets kind of glossy. Like, you know, it was intense. You know, you went through something, but you can't quite. And I think that's an evolutionary built-in thing because if we remembered it to its exact intensity, we may never have children again. Um, so there's so many beautiful, so yeah. yeah, it's just so many beautiful things that happen in the moment that, you know, it's, um, it's a, well, it's a rite of passage. That's all I can say. I bet. I mean, from your description, it's already so transformational, um, especially for like, you know, the woman giving birth in terms of mindset and being able to feel her body and also like, yeah, just go through that. Um, so, you know, we're talking about birthing now, and I actually wanted to shift into traumatic births because that is also, you know, something that's happening. Um, can you talk a little bit about how traumatic births is linked to our nervous system, you know, linked to our pelvic floors, all that, the kind of bigger picture around that? Yeah. So, I mean, this could be like a whole, this could be a webinar, this could you know? be like a whole like big thing. Yes. But, what I'm going to say is that, you know, there's various definitions of trauma and it's essentially, it, it can happen when something happens too fast, that's too overwhelming, that's too quick for me to respond in a way that my body needed to respond. So, so the, the, the self-protective response gets interrupted in some shape or form, uh, meaning like I could be in labor, something's happening, and then maybe they need to put me under to, you know, do a C-section or something happens. I, my nervous system is going to mobilize to protect me, right? So we have these different responses from our nervous system, like fight, flight, freeze, potentially uh, dissociate, right? If it becomes too overwhelming and I can't escape, then I'll have to dissociate because I don't have any other option for making it through this experience. And so in the, in the birthing phase, you know, it doesn't have to be something big. And I think people, you know, when they hear stories of individuals who had 
um, you know, let's say a more traumatic experience, when they might express their story, you might be thinking, oh, well, that doesn't sound like a very big thing. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be this big thing where like, oh my God, I had a lot of blood loss and I almost died. Although that can be traumatic, but that doesn't automatically mean that person who's having that experience will be traumatized. So we need to be careful when we're listening to people's stories, not to um, be like, oh, like you'll be fine. Or, oh, that doesn't sound like a big deal. You should just get over it. That's not how this works um, <clears throat> when it comes to trauma and how our nervous system holds this information. So, you know, if something scary is happening, I'm already mobilizing into my sympathetic nervous system where I'm preparing for fight or flight. So I'm, you know, there's a number of responses. I feel in danger. I want to look around and see who my support system is. Like sometimes the trauma happens because I just didn't have the support that I needed to make it through this. Maybe my healthcare provider wasn't very sensitive to something I was experiencing. Maybe my partner didn't know what to do. And, you know, we're both like something's happening in labor. We don't know. He doesn't know. Medical staff isn't really giving us a lot of information. They're just kind of like, we need to do this, 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 and this. And you feel like you're losing agency and, you know, you don't know. And your mind is somewhere else in the middle. Like you're not, you know, when you're in labor, you're, you're kind of in your own little realm. Right. So there's so much that can be happening. And if we don't have a good sense of support, like if I'm in the middle of a jungle and I start hearing rustling and I'm like, you know, I'm going to pause. I'm going to look around and be like, okay, is there anybody close to me? We want to be socially engaged. Well, let's say nobody's around me to help me. What other systems do I have in place? Well, can I fight? Well, if I have an epidural, I'm probably not going to be running away from the situation, number one. Number two, I may not have the energy to fight. And like, who am I going to fight, right? Like if it's a medical provider saying something or something's happening, I may not have that option, but my system is like prepared for that, right? And if I can't find a level of safety in that moment, what other option do I have? I'm going to have to separate myself from this experience because it's too overwhelming. And that can get lodged in the body. And from there, there can be a whole set of uh, symptoms and issues with attachment, with the baby, um, all kinds of things that can happen. So I think, you know, we need to understand that these things, um, you know, do happen. And the degree to which somebody will or will not be traumatized is going to vary person to person. And it's important, I think, that you know, if somebody's saying they had a really hard birth, we need to, we need to validate that. Like, man, that, you know, I'm so, I'm sorry that your birth was really difficult. And, you know, how can I support you versus, you know, other responses? Because then that just becomes re-traumatizing. Then the person wonders, like, is there something wrong with me? Like, why can't I get over this? And it just does not lead to good, you know, it may lead to mental health problems, then other health related issues. So it's important to understand that it's not just something that we experience in our mind, trauma, it's something that we experience in our bodies. And we may be showing responses of that. So, you know, I, I encourage people, you know, if they feel like their birth was really difficult, please find a trauma informed therapist to work with you to work through that. Like, don't, you know, we say, oh, well, at least the baby's safe. That does not help the person who's experiencing trauma or who, 
who is experiencing difficulties thinking about or relating to their birth experience like it's not it's not there's nothing wrong with you your system was overwhelmed there was you know a series of events that need to be supported and so finding a good healthcare provider to support you with that because again that can also translate into the physical body which can also translate to the pelvic floor so for example if i had a tear that was centered around also a traumatic experience maybe I wasn't told that I was going to get an episiotomy and then the episiotomy happened. Then I tore on top of that. And then I didn't get the support I needed from the medical staff. And then maybe my tear got infected. That person's probably going to have a neuroimmune response. That's going to be high, more sensitive. So then when it comes time to be intimate with your partner, that person's not going to feel like, Oh, great. Now something's going to touch me there. Like they may not be able to go there right? The pelvic floor may hold a lot of tension and a lot of protection because if something happened to my body without me knowing, and then it resulted in a big injury, I'm going to be holding very, very tightly. And I'm not going to want anybody or anything going near there, which then could spread into issues with, you know, intimacy and well, what about my relationship? And then what does that mean for me as a sexual being? And what does that mean for me? You know, there could be bladder issues and bowel issues as a result of, you know, these experiences. So again, not that every tear results in trauma, but again, it's like, what are all the things that were happening? So it's not, is just baby okay? It's like, is mom okay too? Or is the parent, the birthing individual okay? Right. Yeah, that's, I'm so glad that we talked about this because um, I think that's not really talked about. And also like, I like how you phrase like, you know, every birth experience is someone's true birthing experience and we have to acknowledge that. Um, and also, you know, that physiotherapists can really, phys physiotherapy can really help with like, if someone had a traumatic birth experience. Yeah, so our, our role, you know, like not every, you know, not every physio may have trauma informed, like trauma informed courses behind them. Yeah. But like, just, um, I think, you know, we're going to help you with the physical, you know, the physical realities of what is presenting. Um, I just have that extra layer of being like, well, before I just even go there, like, let's see how you're doing. Like, What's happening in your body? Is your body getting tense with the idea of me even doing a physical exam? Okay, let's just work on supporting your body and your nervous system to feel okay with the idea, right? And sometimes, you know, clients can have a bad experience because if we just go there too quickly and there is potentially some history of, and it doesn't even necessarily need to be birth trauma, there could be sexual trauma, there could be other traumas, like, we just need to be receptive to be like, you know, the, how is this person, how are they responding to me just even describing the, what the physical exam is going to look like, right? So it's like, how do we approach this person to know, oh, okay, like, are they going to be okay with me touching them? And if not, okay, well, there are other ways we can get into the pelvic floor to teach you relaxation that doesn't require me to touch, doesn't require, and thank you virtual therapy for um, really teaching me how to work with the pelvic floor without touching. Cause I mean, two years of virtual pelvic floor, you know, physiotherapy has taught me some amazing skills 
around how do we help support people without even necessarily physically touching them and it can be done so you know that is to say there could be physical consequences that were traumatic like physical injuries but not all traumas are going to have like a physical signature but could show up in pelvic floor tension like there may not have been a tear but there's like chronic tension in the pelvic floor that is a self-protective response. So trauma can show up in uh, that way as well. Awesome. I love your description. And as you were talking, you know, I realized that you're not just like, you know, physiotherapist for pelvic floor, like just do all the structural and physical things. I realized that you really look at everybody individually, uh, trying to see where they're at, if they've given birth, right? Like what's your birth experience like? And I really like that. I feel like that's very in line with functional medicine and also, you know, everything I talk about on the show. So that leads me to my next question, because I really want to just get a big picture Um, of how you help women prepare for birth and postpartum recovery. I know you have a five pillar approach to that. So can you let us know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, you know, um, because of my somatic training and, and, you know, my real like deeper, deeper understanding that like connecting to our body or reconnecting with our body is so important because we're like, we live all up in our heads and we probably have the time forget that we exist below the neck, right? So the first step is connection. How do I connect to my breath? How does my breath influence my pelvic floor? Can I even sense that that connection exists? Can I connect to my abdominal wall? Can I breathe in, relax it out, bring it in? Can I feel a muscle squeeze? Can I feel it let go? So I always start with first connection. Where's the pelvic floor? What does it do? How does it move with the breath? You know, sometimes I'll get them, you know, to kind of squeeze different areas of the pelvic floor. And I'll ask, well, what does that feel like? Does that feel different than over here? What do you notice? What does, what's the quality of the movement? If, you know, oftentimes I'll use like different imagery, like, oh, when you squeeze the back end, does it feel like an elevator going up and down? Or does it feel like elevator doors closing, right? And so we use imagery. I use um, like towels. I use a ball. I use the breath. And we just start to like create that mind-body connection because you cannot see your pelvic floor, right? You can only feel it. So if you've never really looked at your pelvic floor, if you've never really engaged with it consciously, right? First, let's let's see if our Google map is clear because you can have a destination and Google's showing you the map. But if the map's blurry, you're like, oh, do I turn here? Do I go there? Like, where am I going? So let's clear up that Google map so you know that whatever your brain is telling that muscle to do, that muscle is then responding. So I start with connection. From connection, we practice relaxation. You got to be able to let go. And we've already talked about you know, why that would be important if a baby's head's trying to get through and you're trying to get the baby to come down. Well, if you're squeezing through here, I mean, how is the baby's head going to want to engage if we're not giving it the space to do so? So we learn relaxation techniques. From relaxation, we need to learn how to activate. So that's where it's like, okay, let's like really learn how to properly do a pelvic floor muscle contraction. And there's like 
so many different ways to do a pelvic floor contraction. That's why we don't call them Kegels really anymore. I mean, I use the word Kegel because that's what everybody kind of knows what it means, but a Kegel is so much more than just a squeeze. There's so much more that goes into it to make it more optimized and more functional. Once we've gone from activation, then we're like dealing with pain. So if there's low back pain, pelvic girdle pain, we talk about pain, you know, we start working with perineal stretching and whatever sensations are associated. So we need to work with pain or resolve pain or manage pain. And then there's like the preparation piece, right? What exercises can I do? How do I prepare the perineum? How do I prepare for early postpartum? Like, what am I supposed to do? What exercises are safe? And so those are kind of like the main pillars. And then of course there's like exercises and things underneath each of those. You're on mute. Sorry. So I have connection, relaxation, dealing with pain, preparation. Uh, was there the something one, that I was missing? Yeah, the third one was activation. Oh, sorry. Okay, got it. Okay, I'm gonna just write this down so people will know in the show notes. Um, yeah. So that's really cool. I mean, like, I just think like knowing your process is really um, enlightening because you know a lot of like health stuff is like you know change your diet and like get better sleep and all that and yours is like really specific to like the pelvic floor and also uh, when you're talking about like connection and all that I was trying to like breathe <laughs> be like hmm, can I actually feel something so that was actually really interesting um, as you walked us through that approach that was really cool yeah thanks I mean it's been like something that I've been working with yeah. all the time, right? It's like, <laughs> you know, you have your pelvic floor training, then you go through your own birth, then you go through right. your own pregnancy, then, then you go through your it. own rehab, <laughs> right? Like I still had to do my work afterwards, right? And I do a high contact martial arts sport. And there was just no way that I was going to return to that sport while peeing my pants, which like if I coughed, sneezed, jumped, jumping jacks, that was a no-go. And jumping jacks are part of running and jumping jacks are part of our warm-up. So I was like, okay, like I need to train. Like I can't just like go back. Like somebody's gonna try to break my arm. I can't think about if I'm gonna pee my pants. Like I need yeah, my bladder is like in full control. And so like for anybody listening out there that that maybe does high contact sports or does something like just because you had a baby doesn't mean you can't return. And it also doesn't mean that you're like gonna have to wear a pad to do those activities, but you're gonna have to put the work in. And like, I was very diligent to make sure that I took all the time to work on all the things that caused me to leak. That's, you know, I really spent time on gaining back that control um, and it can be done. That is very... um inspiring I think I would say <laughs> I mean because like the commitment to like you know even just like meditate or move every day some people are already like finding it so so difficult to do um so I think it's really good to have that goal in mind so if someone's listening to this and you know they're feeling some kind of pain or they want to find out more about like you know how to use their pelvic floors um first of all I have I have a question like how does one actually find the right physiotherapist for them and also the, my second question is, how would someone find you if they are really yeah, into you? That's great. Well, um, I believe you're in the US and I'm up yes. here in Canada. So there's there's that, like that. <laughs> right. 
Um, so what I would say, like in terms of finding a therapist, there's a number of way, different ways you can work with therapists nowadays, especially with the pandemic. Obviously, you can work with one in person. You can work with one virtually. And then there's online programs. So with the first two options, the in-person and the virtual, you're probably going to need to find somebody that's like in your jurisdiction. Like I can only do physiotherapy treatment in the province of Ontario because that's where I'm licensed to practice. So I can treat anybody in all of Ontario. Thank you, virtual therapy. Or I'm like in Mississauga, Ontario, if you want to see me in person and you have to be a resident of Ontario. So that should answer that question for those Canadian listeners. Um, that's where you can find me uh, in Ontario. Now, there are many directories available to find pelvic floor physio and certainly Google can be one to find somebody near you. And when you're like looking for a physiotherapist, uh, if you're not sure if it's a good fit, like most of them will have a conversation with you, you know, so you could kind of say, Hey, this is sort of what I'm looking for. What's your approach? Like, don't be afraid, excuse me. Don't be afraid to ask questions of the person you're wanting to see, to see if it's a good match, right? I can have all the certificates and all the degrees and all of the things, but there has to be a good vibe, right? For it to really work and, and, you know, that it's, it feels good. Like it feels like a good fit. So I always say like having a conversation with that person to be like, is this a good fit for me? Great. Um, you can always, I mean, most of us have some form of social media where you can kind of get to know us, get to know our personality, get to know our style. So you want to just make sure that like those pieces are matching, obviously that they're you know, qualified to do pelvic floor physio. I'm not sure how it is in the US, but I believe you have to do extra training to be a pelvic floor physio in the US, but I don't know. So I will just speak to Canada um, and specifically Ontario. Like for me to practice pelvic floor physio, I had to do additional training outside of my um, master's degree. And I have to be registered with the college that I do this controlled act because in you know in Ontario it's a controlled act and you must be registered and qualified to do so so that's public knowledge like you can google my name and you'll find me on the college of physiotherapists of Ontario and you'll see I'm rostered to do internal exams so uh, you want to make sure the person's qualified you want to make sure they're a person's a good fit you can ask them also about you know have you taken courses in pregnancy not that that necessarily doesn't mean that they can't support you. It's like, it's just like a question that you can, you know, if, if that's a, like a make or break deal for you that they have more additional training. I mean, in our pelvic health training, I mean, we certainly talk about the pelvic floor and, you know, touch upon pregnancy. Uh, so it's not like we don't have that information, but some people might be really wanting somebody who's specifically done some extra training. So you can, you can ask those questions, take a look, follow them on social media. Those are great ways to kind of see if you think they would be a good fit for you. And then to the second part, or so I talked about in-person and virtual. So yes. the third option is online programs. There are physiotherapists who now are creating online programs because we understand that I may not be able to provide service outside of my catchment area, but I want to help as many people who are looking for it. So there's a lot of DIY programs. I happened to create a DIY program because I was like, oh, well, maybe 
there are people who don't want to see me in person. Maybe the idea of having somebody internal or having to talk to somebody about something, maybe if they feel embarrassed or they feel unsure, they're like, I don't even know what to ask. Online DIY programs are great for that because you don't have to talk to anybody. It's like you sign in, you watch the videos, you go through the exercises, you do your thing, you get you know, access to similar information. It's just, it's not a physiotherapy treatment, right? It's a DIY program. Just like if you were taking a recipe book, you're like doing it yourself. It has all the guidance there for you to do it. And then if you really feel like, oh, now I'm ready to see somebody in person, or I want some feedback, or I want to talk, or I have questions, then that might be a good time to reach out to somebody uh, in person or uh, in a virtual treatment. So a DIY program is a great like foundational place to start and can be helpful because by the time you make it to the therapist, they're not going to have to talk to you about all the basics because you've already gone through the anatomy, the physiology, how to relax, how to contract. So we can actually kind of just get down to business, right? Do our assessment and be like, oh, okay, I can see where you're having difficulty or here's the feedback that you've been needing. We don't have to do as much of the education and explaining that we would do if you hadn't seen some, or hadn't done some pre-research. So yeah, I do that is that my, my, my DIY program is available to anybody uh, in Canada or the U S and that can be, you know, accessed um, online. Do you, I, I think I'm going to send you the link or do you want me to? Yeah. Send me everything. Um, also right now, if you do want to share, you know, your social media, whatever, and your masterclass yeah. coming up, just go ahead. Awesome. Well, you can find me on Instagram at my name is at Madeline Golick. And I'm going to suggest that you definitely go to the show notes because most people do not spell my name correctly. Yes. It's very unique. (laughs) It's very unique and it's very long for me to like go letter by letter, but it's at Madeline Golick. You can totally um, find me there. Uh, I'm hosting a free masterclass on Saturday, April 2nd. It's at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it's totally free. It's a free masterclass, and it's called How to Prepare Down There for Birth. And we're going to, like, talk about three pelvic health myths. I'm going to share kind of, like, my exact blueprint of, like, what are all of kind of the things that's involved in preparing down there. I'm going to do some live demos. So I have a lot of... um, not diagrams, but oh, what's the name? Props. I have props in my clinic so I can show you some live demos and uh, I'm going to have a live Q&A. So it's a, it's a great opportunity then to like ask your pelvic health related um, questions. Now, obviously I can only answer them generally because you're not my client and I haven't assessed you. So I can't give like specific advice, but you know, there might be some general questions of like, when, when can I start, you know, when is it too late? And any other of those types of questions, I'd be more than happy to answer. Um, And so the link for that is, um, excuse me, (coughs) ecophysio.com forward slash masterclass. And again, the exact spelling and the links I believe you'll put in the show notes. So that will be there. I also offer a free mini training on how to work with labor pain to have a more positive birth experience. And that's ecophysio.com forward slash mini training. It's a free 30 minute training on pain. So I got lots of free resources. And then of course I have my paid uh, DIY program or happy to see you, you know, virtually or in person if you're in Ontario, Canada. 
That's awesome. I'm going to link all of that in the show notes for sure. Um, I'm so happy I got to chat with you today. For those of you who didn't know, like we just arranged this for months and it didn't happen till today. Um, I actually learned a lot about pelvic floors and even just like birthing and like it's so interesting and so insightful. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for, you know, giving me a chance to have this conversation. And I'm not used to being on the like interviewee side. So it's kind of nice to <laughs> like, cool, yeah. let go and be like, oh, you get to be the host. <laughs> I just get to sit back and talk about what I love to do. So it's kind of yeah. nice that role reversal so yeah I totally get it sometimes it is really nice to just not be the host but um well you know thank you for joining us everybody and we'll hope to see you next time